Welcome back to another episode of Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm Randy Wayhofer, Vice President and Assistant General Manager for the team. Glad to have you with us once again. As we get started today, please make sure that you uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. A new episode comes out every Tuesday morning. Uh, we'll do this uh, for as long as we can keep coming up with good content. And I think we've got a good list of uh, folks coming up. And we've got an excellent guest uh, today, Jeff Tilley, our Vice President of Stadium Operations and Chief Operator of the Fun Gun uh, on game days uh, here at Principal Park. Tilly, how's it going? Doing pretty good today. We've actually got some blowers out in the stadium, cleaning the place up, hung some banners up today, uh, give the place a little color, let everybody know that we're playing on open here pretty quick. So if you go out in the concourse, you don't need a mask for sure. We always have them on anyway, I guess, but it's going to be pretty dusty and getting a bunch of dust in your eyes out there too right now, so you got to be careful. It is uh, quite the task to wake up Principal Park from its uh, – winter hibernation, uh, so to speak. Uh, and, and that's probably one of the things that people don't think much about uh, uh, about the ballpark is the winterization and the seasonal nature of, of, of keeping track of the building. And that's really your number one responsibility around here. We'll get into some of the fun stuff. But, you know, if we had to start with number one of what do you do at the ballpark, it's I got to make sure everything works right most of the as much of yeah, the time yeah, as possibly can. What what are some of the, the the challenges of maintaining a building like this in an Iowa winter, especially a hard one like this? Oh, these winters like this, um, we most of the water we turn off and, and drain out of the pipes and, and whatnot, and, and out of the toilets and everything like that. So we don't have to worry about keeping things warm in those certain areas, like most of the concourse and all those uh, concession stands down there. The third floor where we're at right now is all turned off uh, during the winter because we just the building's not set up to to heat those areas uh, where the pipes and stuff are because the pipes up here are in the ceiling of course. And, but uh, so getting that done in a timely fashion as we try to have events and what and everything in you know throughout October. Uh, so we have to play a fine line there. If it starts getting too cold, you know, down in the twenties and stuff, we have to start dripping water and things like that. So we have to kind of get that done, uh, you know, pretty fast some years. And then, you know, this time of year, we got to get things on at a certain time, too, uh, so people can do the things they need to do. The concession people need to get in and clean their sky or their uh, concession stands. We got to get sky boxes cleaned up up here. So uh, to get that water on, everybody's looking forward to it. And just so we're trying to get on as soon as we can. So we're, we haven't started on that just yet, but we're going to probably next week start on that process. As a guy who used to office here at the press box level, you were my favorite person in the world in the middle of March when you said the water was back on on the third floor, and you were my least favorite person in the world when you get sent out. We, the we always notice. get some pretty good responses. That email we put out all the time, you know, hey, water's on or water's off, and depending on what time of year it is, that's how, how the responses go. But yeah, I hear you there. Oh, uh, Jeff Tilly is our guest, our vice president of stadium operations, and uh, uh, you've been with the club a, a long, long time now. Uh, Twenty three years I, yeah i think so I, I started as an intern uh, spring of uh greatest intern class in the history of the iowa cubs at least that's what i'm told yeah it's uh me and uh brent conkle it's nice that you call him by his correct name oh yeah we've got many names we were just talking <laughs> earlier about how he uh he, he, his name gets butchered all the time mine does too a little bit and uh, sam burnaby's name also gets butchered on these uh, envelopes and things when they come to the ballpark, but uh, I'd say Brent's the worst. His latest one was a Mr. Pemberton, so that's what we're calling him now, uh, Bart Pemberton, so AKA Brent Conkle. Yeah, he was part of that class. We had a bunch of classes together uh, at Iowa State, um, and then also Scott Fuller. 
uh, was part of that class. I think that's why everybody says that, I guess. But I think we were only three interns, I believe, that year. Uh, I mean, that's three for three. So yeah. we've got out of one intern class, we've got two vice presidents still with the company over 20 years later and a guy that's been uh, running events around town and, and doing good things uh, in the community yeah. on yeah. top of it. Yeah, that's right. Scott's been involved in a lot of things all these years, too. I mean, tickets here. He was out at the Principal Charity Classic for many, many years. And um, I believe he's, he's with, uh, you might have to help me on this one. The high school network, uh, helping with the production of the high school games. He was here uh, with, with that group. Um, yeah, so that, it, it really is. Uh, and then a big part of your job now is uh, you oversee the biggest group of interns uh, with the help from the rest of the stadium operations full-time staff. But um that's the other thing about uh, your role is uh, it's not just you uh, and, and interns are really important uh, to, to the operation and all the extra uh, things that, that they provide. Uh, it's kind of like being a school teacher where you start back at one plus one every spring and then by the time you get to the fall, they're, they're pretty smart, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they learn quite a bit. At least we think they do when they're here. But <laughs> we, we put them through enough hats and different roles and things here as far as running promotions on the field. Uh, doing plumbing with us, like we were talking about earlier, and the outside grounds and you name it, running special events. You know, they could be helping set up something out there by the fountains, you know, and helping with clients and whatnot out there. So they get kind of a wide uh, range of activities uh, every year uh, for those interns in, in my department, anyway. So when you were going to Iowa State with Brent and became an intern at the Iowa Cubs, is this what you wanted it to turn into? Well, you know, you certainly have a very uh, you know, like Liam Neeson, you have a very special set of skills uh, <laughs> yeah, that you right. have that not, not all the rest of us do uh, to be able to understand how to treat customers and understand how to fix a broken furnace. Uh, not all of us uh, have the ability to do that. But what was the part of working in sports and kind of blended with what you do now that um, kind of led you to, to what you're doing? Well, I, I think first when I was going to school, <clears throat> I thought about well, I was wanting to be like maybe a conservation officer. But anybody that likes the outdoors and likes to hunt and fish, that's their that's their job that they want. So a lot of those jobs are kind of few and far between. Much like and then, then I go to sports, and that's the same thing. So I just happened to get lucky uh, in an internship, and, and was blessed to be hired on then. So, but I, I I mainly wanted to be involved with sports. I've always loved sports all my life, and, and watching and, and playing sports and whatnot. But, um, I also like working on things and fixing things and figuring out things and figuring solutions out for different things. So it worked kind of perfect for me. I don't like to be inside all day. So this job enables me to be outside, even though it's when it was, you know, minus five degrees, I'm out here running around. I was outside quite a bit that those times making sure the building was heated and, and we had a lot of heaters struggling during that time and trying to keep the place up and running. So we didn't have any, any pipes that we do have live freeze up. So, uh, but, uh, as you move around a little bit, when it's that cold, it's not too bad, I guess, as long as you keep going. So, Well, it's a good thing you like the outdoors and hunt and fish because you're kind of a conservation officer of the ballpark. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. That's true, yeah. In a lot of ways. When when the stadium's uh, located where two rivers uh, come to meet uh, on the edge of town, we get our fair share of wildlife oh, uh, here at the ballpark, yeah. and you are the park ranger that everybody calls when when they see something that walks on four legs in, instead of two. What? Uh, raccoons seem to be the most prevalent now uh, of things that kind of pop up from time to time, time to time. But what is the, 
what is the range of wildlife that you've dealt with at various times around the ballpark? Well, we've, yeah, raccoons is the number one. We deal with those all the time. They just they get into all kinds of stuff. If you have, they'll get inside trash cans even if they're closed. Those things are pretty smart, but uh, they're pretty destructive too. Uh, heck, we've had skunks, uh, which we had a we had a skunk come in uh, during the middle of the game. I'll never forget. I was I was actually standing in the walkways down there in front of like section twelve. My parents were sitting like on an aisle seat in like section eleven, and I was actually going up to talk to them. And all of a sudden, the whole crowd starts just standing up, like they're cheering for something or all kinds of noise. But it was more of a gasp. Oh, you know what the heck? And I said, so I look and see what the heck's going on. Look up the aisle as I'm getting ready to go talk to my parents. And on the aisle, my dad's sitting on. I look at him and he's standing up. I think he might have been on the seat, standing to clear up on that. Here's a skunk running up the middle of that aisle in front of all these people. And then we were packed that night. And the thing just ran right up into the mezzanine and then hid back in there, kind of where that caged area is. And I, you, I, I couldn't believe it. So, of course, Sam was hollering at me on the radio, better get up there and take care of that. Well, I'm already on the way here. I'm you know, <laughs> going back on the radio. So I, I think we, I ended up getting him inside of a box or something and we were able to get slide something underneath it and get out. He didn't spray. He didn't spray going up through all those fans as they're standing and gasping and, and, you know, trying to get away from this thing. He didn't spray. I couldn't believe it. It was a miracle that he didn't. And it, us getting him out, he didn't either. So it, I think we ended up taking him. Well, I was probably, Oh, maybe a mile away from here, just down, down the river and letting him go. And he didn't spray us in either. So I don't know if he was out or <laughs> what was going on there, but we got pretty lucky. On that one. Oh yeah. We've had actually at, for a game, this is oh, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. It's one of the only times I've missed the, the fun gun. Actually, I, uh, we had a call, the gates were open and somebody, a kid said he saw a raccoon up in the playground area. So we closed it down. We went up through, and I can't find this. Can't can't find it. And all of a sudden, I do see it. He's on top of the whole structure. So we had to get a lift to get up there, and I had to crawl up on the on this thing after this guy. And I had a box and had some gloves on, and and uh, he was just a little baby one. And it wasn't very old at all. So I had my glove. I went to grab him and got him by the nap of the neck, and kind of got him into the box. And I, that thing that that was a pretty deep box that I had. He was jumping out of that like you couldn't believe. And one of the times as he's jumping out of this thing, I'm trying to pop him back in there. He uh, ended up biting me through a leather glove. So they, those things have some pretty good jaws on them, apparently. But uh, it's enough to make my hand bleed pretty good. So I went down to first aid and you know, gals in there. She's like, oh, you got to you gotta go to the that raccoon's out in the daytime. You need to go to the hospital here and get that checked out. Oh, man. So I go to drive myself to the hospital and tell them what happened. And, they're wanting them to run me through the whole rabies, you know, deal with all the shots. Puts you in the protocol. Oh, gosh. And I, I'm not a big needle guy at all. And, and so <laughs> I said, well, so I, I think this thing was just a baby and kind of fell down there. I don't think he's, he was, he didn't see him rabbit at all. They asked, do you still have it? And I said, well, I, I don't think we've let him go yet because um, we thought we might want to keep him just for that. And so they said, well, you got to watch him for a few days and make sure he doesn't show any signs of, of being rabid. And if that's the case, then we'll let you, you know, you're fine. But if something happens to him, you've got to come back here and we'll, we'll take care of business with you. So <laughs> turns out we kept that raccoon alive. He was fine. And then we let him go. And so I didn't have to go through the whole protocol after that. Became a pet. Yeah, we, yeah he was a pretty, pretty well-mannered uh, raccoon after we kind of got him up to that 
Dustin would say he has a nice personality. Yeah, he did. He did say that actually. So <laughs> now before the stadium, uh, Chris, Chris Schlosser was a, a recent guest and was telling us about uh, before the old, the, the stadium was built, there was some skunks out by where they had to turn off the video board and stuff underneath. And I, I think I remember from the old stadium too, you were saying down the right field line, something with skunks. And there was just like, dozens upon dozens of them you tell the story better than i do what what when was that oh man that was oh early 2000s and we had a heck of a problem out there before we had the, the uh, i guess section 17 18 19 finished in it was bleacher areas out there and we had a little grassy hill it, it, some of it's still out there but these skunks and they were just pulling up layers of sod getting at these grubs that were in this area but we had there was i mean we, we were catching skunks all the time in fact we had a guy working for us at the time and Phil Horn and uh we called him the, the skunk master <laughs> this guy he wasn't afraid of those things at all I don't think he he was too afraid to get sprayed by him but he never he, he was pretty gentle with them and never did get sprayed I mean I think the the biggest threat is when you're letting them go it seems like that's when they want to give you one last little parting gift <laughs> but uh now he's we caught I don't know how many that year I mean it was dozens I mean it was it was crazy we finally got them filtered out. We didn't get any for the longest time. And then just last year, last fall, we, we caught a couple of them. We haven't any of this year, but uh, we take them a lot further away from now, too. We're, we're going <laughs> 15 miles out now to try to get so they don't come back with <laughs> all these creatures that we catch around here. Jeff Tilly is our guest on the uh, Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. Make sure you like and share and subscribe. A uh, new episode uh, every Tuesday talking about some of the behind the scenes, fun stuff of uh, let you get to know the Iowa Cubs staff and, and know what goes on behind the scenes at the ballpark. And if you've ever been to an Iowa Cubs game and you've listened to Jeff now for a few minutes, you're thinking, this guy sounds familiar, but do I know who he is? Everybody knows who you are because you're the fun gun guy. We've alluded to it before. How did you become the master of the fun gun and that your claim to fame? I can remember when I first started, that was one of my first days. Uh, there's a, a smaller office down there. It's where Clayton uh, Ranquist is right now. It used to be the, the safe room. And inside that room, we were doing something in there, and it had a little countertop in there type of thing. And on that was that brand-new fun gun sitting there. I thought, oh, man, look at that thing. That really looks pretty cool. I, want to I wish I could be the one to do that, but I'm just a lowly intern at the time, so I had no shot at that. And then fast forward to the first game, uh, we had a guy that actually hired me. His name's Nick Willie, and uh, he was going to be the first guy to to run it. So they had him on the back of the golf cart, just kind of like we do now. And, and uh, he goes out with this thing, and we had took us a little bit to figure out how to roll the shirts for him to so they didn't fly out of that little test drove and all this. And he gets out and starts shooting these things off, and he's shooting them out of the stadium, onto the field, on the roof, and he didn't get one single shirt into the <laughs> into the where a fan could get it unless they were going into the river. It seemed like. Man, he got booed and booed and booed. And he, he gets off that thing. I was back there because I was helping with the gates at the time. And he's like, I'm not doing that. Tilly, you're doing it next. <laughs> oh, I'll try it. So, so I did it that second second round that night, a couple innings later or whatever it is. And, and uh, I think I only got, oh, maybe 10 or 12 shirts off. And, and I think I made about half of them in the crowd. So I didn't get booed as bad, just a little bit. But and ever since then, it's got a little better each time. And then I never usually, I still get booed if you get one on the on the roof. If you ever notice when I get one on the roof, I, I load, there's one loaded and coming right away too. So it's a it's a fast reload. Distract them. Just, just get everybody distracted on it. 
and 2020 was supposed to be an anniversary year for the fun gun. Scott Saylor is the unofficial statistician of all things meaningless at the ballpark. And, and uh, we did a, a golden T-shirt how many years ago when that was for 10,000 shirts shot into the stands. And were, were we going to hit 20,000 this year? No, I think it was. I think it was 50,000. 50, I think we were getting up to 100,000, I believe. I think that was back in, yeah, uh, yeah, it's probably 2008 or something. I can't remember exactly. So that was my first year we had the gold shirts yeah, then. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, My mom actually caught one of those uh, golden shirts. It's one of the first, that's the first shirt I ever shot to her. She's <laughs> been to a handful of games and always complained that I never shot one to her. So I, I, I waited till the, the 50th anniversary or the 50,000 t shirt to get her one. Well, and the legend, uh, Red Hollis, was, you know, he'd be up trying to impress people in the skyboxes, and, he, you know, you'd be going around in the cart, and he'd be on the radio telling you to, uh, you do it better, uh, better red than I do. But he requesting shirts in specific skyboxes. I don't know you that you're quite that good with the gun, are you? Well, yeah, yeah no, not really. It's more rock than anything. <laughs> but he, he, he always would tell the story. Uh, he would tell clients and everything, but he, he was uh, – one day I'm down there getting ready behind the behind the wall wrapping shirts or whatever we were doing, and, and he calls me on the radio. Jeff Tilly there, Jeff Tilly. Yes, sir, Red. How's it going? What do you need? And uh, he uh, he goes, I need to get you a t-shirt into three one two. All right, three twelve. I'll get I'll do my best, you know. And uh, he he was uh, he said he was in there with the, these clients, and he's telling them, Hey, I just hollered at that guy. I told him to get a t-shirt up here, and oh, he never got one up here for all season and this and that and he goes well i just told him they said oh he's not going to get one in here and he said as the guy's saying he's not going to get one in here he goes i'll be darned if this t-shirt comes in through the through the glass door i mean so they had the door open it comes in through the glass door and lands right at his feet he said well the guy couldn't believe it he says it's the craziest thing he'd ever seen <laughs> well red never let the facts get in the way of a good story but it's still a good story yeah that's right way. that's right <laughs> Radio chatter is another uh, fun part of the whole stadium operations and game day experience that uh, uh, the, the staff loves. And one of our favorite radio stories is the naming of the Jeff Tilly Breezeway. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was uh, uh, a part of the ballpark <laughs> that nobody had heard of before one day at the ballpark. Tell us where the Jeff Tilly Breezeway is and, and how that went. It was, a, it was a pretty warm game. I remember that. And uh, I think I was down – I think I was actually, I might have been behind the wall again, coming off a fun gun or something and, and uh, walking back towards this side of the building, I believe. And Sam calls out on the radio. He says, uh, we've got a, I think it was ice spill or something like that, or something was wrong. And he said, it's in the breezeway. It's in the breezeway. What the heck's he talking about? <laughs> breezeway? I heard of a breezeway here. And I thought, Sam, we're, yeah, where are you at now, Sam? I'm in the breezeway. He's getting, he's getting pretty animated about it. He needs to get up here right away. And I thought, well, shoot, I better hustle up. And I'm thinking breezeway. For some reason, I, I thought he was he meant somehow or something that maybe he had said that day that was up by the veranda, up by the Cub Club entrance, and sure. somewhere up there. So I'm all the way up there. And he, where are you at? And I go, this is the breezeway. <laughs> and so I'm getting kind of frightened. I said, Sam, I, don't, I guess I don't know what you're talking about here. He goes, he goes it's down by the, the front desk. <laughs> oh, okay, breezeway. I guess ever since then, that thing's been called the. The, the Jeff Tilly Memorial Breezeway. <laughs> it's, it's that hallway between. So if, if you're ever in the ballpark, we need to put a sign up for the Jeff Tilly Breezeway, especially now that we've done the podcast. So there's a little hallway between the stairs and the concourse where you could go into the front office or go out in the front lobby by the elevator. 
And I guess if you got all the doors open, there yeah, could be a little yeah, bit of breeze. Nice breeze. Yeah, he makes sense. He, he was right on spot there. With that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody else knew what he was talking about either. So nobody was yeah, coming. Nobody to, else coming, was chiming nobody, in yeah, on nobody, the radio to help. Nobody you. came to my rescue. And said, hey, I think he's talking about the hallway up front. You know, nobody helped me with that. <laughs> you learn who your friends are pretty quick around yeah. here, don't you? Yeah, it was pretty lonely on that radio that day. Uh, another uh, Sam required me to ask you about since you're talking about uh, Sam getting animated with you. He had a little incident with a gator. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, and, this and the Iowa State Fair. Yeah, the, the you know there'd be some things. Uh, I've one of the reasons I moved away from home was you know there was a couple of stories that followed me. No matter how smart I got or how old I got, there was some things that some people just won't let you forget. And this is this is one on that list for you. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. kind of a miracle that you made it to 23 years. Yeah, in no. in, in some ways for but I didn't think it would for the education of uh, the the youngsters out there who are looking for a career and, and what not to do. Uh, what happened with the Gator and the and the State Fair? Well, I uh, thought it'd be a good idea to take the the Gator out to the John Deere Gator out to the fairgrounds. Now, the Gator's stuff. a little like utility type utility vehicle, vehicle kinda, looks like a mini jeep yeah like a mini jeep you know like a golf cart type of thing right. and they we always go camp camping out at the state fair i don't need more but i used to every year every single year and the where they want you to park as opposed to where you camp is just it's a terrible distance to carry all your stuff and they'll give these little passes to go up and then they're like for an hour and this and that so going back and forth to pick stuff up you know i thought heck this would be a good idea Get a little gator, we'll, we'll take it up there and that'll ease our burden a little bit. You're a problem solver. Problem solver. You sure. Drive her down into the, by the gate where you get into the fair and heck, you don't have to worry about that walk and you don't have to wait for trolleys and heck, it was a pretty good little deal. And so one morning, wake up out there at the fairgrounds, all of a sudden there's no gator. What the heck? So looking around, maybe we parked someplace different and this, no, it's gone. Completely gone. Oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. What in the heck? So, of course, there's, they have actually little police stations out there. It's a state patrol that runs them inside the, the fairgrounds. So I go in there and I ask them, I said, hey, uh, I had a gator missing from the fairgrounds there. <laughs> oh, you're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> they had it. They, they, so we actually got the guys that took it from you, too. Said, oh, really? Oh, oh great. <laughs> Apparently, these guys that had went in, they hot-wired it. Apparently, it's not too hard to do that. Pull these wires down and put them together. It's like they do in the movies. They, these guys are off and running. So they're joyriding around the campgrounds. They can't figure out how to get out of the campgrounds. And so that gator at the time didn't have the best brakes on it. Probably needed some better brakes. So they didn't know that. So they went down this hill. And at the bottom of the hill is one of those kind of wooden type of fences that you just see more for decoration than anything. And they blew through that and got the thing stuck. And so they were trying to get it out when here comes a... a Trooper coming by him and what are you guys doing? They look suspicious. Of course, they they figured out that they had uh, stolen this thing and they 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 had him in the, the little pen down there. So I I just barely saw him that day. But then so it was kind of funny that later on, um, I was when police department somebody had this little program where you could meet the people victims could meet the people that you know did the crime to you. So I thought oh, I want to see what these guys were thinking here and. Uh, so I got to talk to them, and, and uh, they were actually fairly sorry for it. I mean, they, they showed a little remorse, so that was nice. But they said they just happened upon it. This thing's just parked there real nice. And they said they knew how to get it hot-wired, and so they got in there and did it and took off. And they said they'd like to know that the brakes didn't work that good. <laughs> At least they didn't get hurt. They thought it was a pretty good joyride, apparently. But they, 
they did, and I will say this, this is to my defense here, that, that gator was in better shape when we got it back after the, their fixes because they broke a little grill <laughs> in the front. So that gator is in much better shape after we got it back after those guys paid for the restitution. <laughs> All's well that ends well, All's right? All's well that ends well. And yeah, you're so still, then, still here to tell about it. Yeah, so then uh, I remember I thought, well, I just that next day or that I goes back to work and I thought, well, I'm just going to have to tell Sam here what happened. And so I, I remember I was out in the concourse, right behind home plate. I'll never forget it. And I go up to him and I, I said, uh, I told him what happened. I said, Hey, I took that. I said, I messed up. I took that gator and, uh, to the fairgrounds and it got stolen. So we have it and these guys are going to fix it. And but I thought you just, you know, better hear it from me here. And it was just silence. <laughs> He's looking down at the ground. Not even looking at me. I thought, oh, man, he's going to figure out. He's trying to figure out what to say to get rid of me here. <laughs> so I'm just kind of waiting for it. And I'm waiting for it. And he's just sitting there. And then he starts just shaking his head very slowly back and forth <laughs> like this. And, and then he, he looks at me and goes, Tilly? He goes, yeah, you really messed up. <laughs> and he goes, anybody else? I'm gonna, I would fire him. <laughs> get it fixed. Okay, I'm gonna do that, and I got out of there as quick as I could, and you know, got busy, and of course, got her fixed. But I'll never forget it, man. It was felt like about ten minutes of silence on that one. <laughs> oh, the hijinks of <laughs> of the access we have at, at Principal Park, and the the things that come of it. We're talking with Jeff Tilly, our Vice President of Stadium Operations, and you know, at the very beginning of this, we talked about your love of sports and wanting to work in sports and, and the passions that go with. But one of the things that I talk to um, potential interns and, and people that ask about working in sports, um, you know, the, it's about as much of what it isn't is about what it is. And from all the stories that you've told, it becomes pretty clear that just because you work here doesn't mean you're seeing a whole lot of the game. And, and you probably have seen, for as many Iowa Cubs games as you've been to, you've probably seen less baseball uh, than a lot. But what what is some of the fun baseball stuff and the things that still make it fun? Because it's probably a lot different than what you thought you were getting into. But why? what are the fun things that, you, that are for you that you remember? First of all, the, the what I do get to see of the games is I have to is peeking through the crack in the center field or the, the, the gates out there with one eye using my left one because I can see out of that one better so I look through my left eye because you're always constantly trying to figure out what the score is and how many outs and, and you know there's been many times where we we've uh, went out uh, with the fun gun a little too early and, and there's sometimes went out too late and sometimes we realize that we're, we're we can't go out at all because we've missed it you know so <laughs> so yeah so the, the, the view of the, the game back there is, is I definitely don't see as many much game as I thought I would but you know that doesn't I guess just being at the, I just like to be at the ballpark. It's just, it's just a job that you, I guess when you, you don't, when you love what you do, it's not really a job for you, you know, if that makes any sense. But uh, I didn't know if this was going to be like this when I got into it by any stretch, but uh, I, I just, I love it. When, like the opening day when you can smell the <clears throat> hot dogs cooking and brats and the, and the onions and things that they cook down there on that outdoor grill. Once that thing gets fired up, it's, I mean, that's, that's just, that's one of my favorite times of the whole year, really when that, just that smell that first day. And I just, so it's not all just about watching games for me. It's kind of, you know, obviously it's a lot of fun. I mean, heck, one of my main jobs here is to shoot t-shirts into the crowd. I mean, how tough a gig is that for anybody? I mean, my goodness, you get booed a little bit, you know, <laughs> and that kind of thing. But, but, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't hardly trade it for anything. Really. One of my favorite parts <clears throat> now that I'm not in the radio booth anymore is just before the Friday night fireworks, 
listening to you take role on the radio and making sure everything's going. To, uh, you're the reason fireworks happen at the ballpark. So explain to people, you know, they're watching the countdown on, and on the video board, but you got quite the checklist of things to make sure that, you know, we can, we can start <clears throat> setting the light on fire. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, before we're able to shoot off fireworks, we, we mean the, the fire department has to be okay with everything and I have to make so – if you ever see me, I'm out there with this big list going through all these names, and we have a lot of moving parts to this. We have people blocking sidewalks out there, and, and not everybody follows rules of just some, you know, guy, kid, you know, 21-year-old kid in an Iowa Cubs shirt doesn't mean they have to stop on the sidewalk. They're going to get through with their bikes or something, but we have to have make sure that we have police officers outside blocking traffic, too, so we got to make sure those guys are okay to shoot. So there's we're up to about six people right now. I've got to make sure the fireworks people are ready to shoot. So there's another one. And then we have uh, I talked to Justin, who's here too. You know, he's ready to go and in, in the to start the countdown. And I, I thought having that list in front of me, I can't even I know how many's on there. Plus, oh, well, we have people on the lights all over the place too, the stadium lights. And uh, and so we one of the reasons we do go through all this. I remember this is another good Sam story for you. I, I remember one one year I was. I wasn't doing the down the checklist. I was in on the stadium lights at that time. There were just these uh, eight light switches, big light switches down on the, the hose room down there. So I'm on there, ready to go to turn these lights off at the proper time. And I, I think Sam was on there, and he's like, and he he was talking back and forth with somebody, trying to get people dugouts clear and all this. And I'll never forget. He he was like, <laughs> he was okay. Go go go. And I thought, oh shoot, all right. Boom, boom, <laughs> off go the lights. Fireworks start going. They weren't ready at all out in the field. I didn't realize to come down there. I can't see anything. And after he says, okay, let's go, go, go. Next thing that was mouth was like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? As <laughs> <Yeah>, me. <laughs> I thought you said go. So, yeah. I'll never forget that. But once you turn those lights on, they don't come back on. They do now, but back then they didn't come back on. It took you about 10 minutes to get those lights to come back on. That's for yeah. sure. Well, if you've learned nothing else from our conversation with Jeff Tilley, you should have inferred that he is so good at the things that he does well that the funny stories he has to tell allows <laughs> how much Sam likes him despite the stories he's told today because uh, we certainly couldn't do half of what we do around here without you and with Q and Dustin and uh, and Josh now and Nick for many years. And there's been a long, long list of people that have, uh, you know, you're like the Bill Belichick tree of stadium operations people that have uh, gone on to, to do good things. So uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, this is stuff that we do over lunch. And uh, one of the reasons we wanted to. That's what makes it so much fun here. Right? Yeah, there, start you know? the podcast. We thought, you know, we, we got all these great stories to tell, and we only tell them to each other. We should tell them to other people, and they can get a, as big a kick out yeah, of it. Yeah, they can make a movie about this place, really. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise will play Jeff Tilly yeah. Uh, yeah. as Zach part of that. Zach Galifianakis, whatever his name is. There. That's probably a better suit for me, probably. He's got a beard, you know, that's why. Yeah, just because of the beard. <laughs> Between two skunks. With yeah, there Jeff you go. Tilly. There you go. <laughs> Uh, and if you ever need to find him on a Tuesday night, uh, don't call at 8 p.m. Central Time because the Curse of Oak Island is on and his time is occupied.
That's a that's a great show. <laughs> that's that's another pot. If they ever find anything, we'll do a podcast just about the we curse of Oak Island. There's a handful of us in this ballpark, including yeah. Randy here, that, that watch that show and enjoy that. Yeah, we're hooked. We're we're definitely hooked. They so never find our, anything, but that, they do a good job yeah. of getting you reeled back in every time. The most most watched weeknight cable television show in America. <laughs> I'm tuned in for sure. <laughs> All right, this is uh, Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. He's Jeff Tilly. I'm Randy Wayho for Hope You're Laughing Along With Us. This has been great. Thanks, Jeff. We'll, uh, we'll yeah, do this again Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Don't forget to uh, share, like, subscribe. Uh, go to iowacubs.com for all the details about the upcoming 2021 season and, and throughout the year, no matter when you may have uh, stumbled across the podcast. We have a lot of fun at the ballpark. We have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and uh, we want you to be part of the fun too. So uh, tune in next time, and until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>